Welcome to the MEFG Global Markets FX Week Ahead podcast with Derek Halpenny, Head of Research, Global Markets EMEA and International Securities. It's Friday the 16th of February 2024 and joining Derek to pose some questions on the financial market themes for the week ahead is Jack Greenslade from MEFG's FX Corporate Sales. The following podcast is intended for professional investors and eligible counterparties only and not for retail clients. Any content should not be regarded as an offer to conduct investment business or an investment recommendation, but for information purposes only. Hi Derek, how are you? Good Jack, thank you. And you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. The uh, bit of sun today in London, so things look like they're uh, picking up a little bit. Spring has arrived. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's been quite a busy week from, you know, the data calendar perspective, I guess, uh, especially from the US and globally. Um, and yet we're ending the week with the dollar, you know, pretty little change. So why do you think the dollar has failed to hold on to some of those post CPI trigger gains, especially given, you know, the backdrop of, of weak growth globally? Um, yeah, like obviously we've just had the PPI data. So the dollar is is bouncing on the back of the stronger PPI. But um, we're still below the highs that were hit uh, on Tuesday after the CPI print. So, you know, let, let's see what happens, obviously, um, in the rest of the afternoon after this PPI print, which was which was definitely stronger and has lifted expectations about the, the PCE data mm-hmm. um, at the end of the month. Um, but you know, you could certainly argue that the the reversal of dollar strength from Tuesday brings into some question whether the the momentum at these levels is beginning to to fade. Um, you know, what I what, what was certainly the case earlier in the week uh, was that you know the dollar retracement from the drop in November and December had gone through the 61.8% retracement um, level, whereas, you know, rates had not retraced to the same degree. So, you know, you could argue that the, the dollar had overextended relative to the move in rates. Um, and, and perhaps that has resulted in some of the momentum um, coming out of, of, of the dollar. Of course, we had the retail sales figure, which was, which was weaker as well, which helps, I guess, explain some of the um, the loss of momentum. Um, I think, again, when you look at the broader flow of data, you know, we have recession confirmed in the UK, uh, recession confirmed in Japan, and we had Eurozone growth basically flat in the fourth quarter, the same as the third quarter, so basically no growth. And then, of course, you have the high levels of uncertainty in terms of the property sector in China and, and disappointing uh, sentiment and growth there. So the global backdrop, you would argue, was certainly very favorable for, for, for the dollar to, mm. to continue to strengthen. I think in, in part explaining that in terms of the fact that the dollar didn't get further benefit from the very weak data we've had this week, uh, you know, I think investors are kind of viewing that as rear view mirror data um and when you look at some of the forwards looking data it's definitely indicating the potential for some pickup and growth um uh here in the uk 
uh, you know, the PMIs have picked up, consumer confidence has picked up, same in Europe. The Economy Watcher survey in, in Japan, again, uh, this month we had a, a, a pickup in, in sentiment there. So I guess with falling inflation, that does have benefits for growth. And in particular in Europe, given the inflation shock that we had, the receding inflation and the speed in which inflation has receded does does open up better prospects for growth going forward. So I think that helps to explain maybe why the dollar hasn't uh, you know, benefit as much from, from the weak growth. And then when we look at the kind of retracement of rates from the pushback on early rate cuts through rhetoric from central banks, it has been fairly synchronized. So, you know, looking at the OAS market since, um, since the end of January, there's been a retracement uh, in terms of the, 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 the entire amount of basis points of cuts for 2024. So in in the US, we've taken out about 58 basis points of cuts. That's probably changing right now as we speak. But um, before we come up, that's what it was. It's 52 basis points in Europe, and it's 45, 46 basis points in the UK. So the the pushback on the extent of rate cuts this year has been broadly synchronized. And I think, therefore, there's no real appetite for significant divergence between the US and elsewhere even with the, the the kind of GDP that we've had. So I think that's kind of limiting the the, the scope for big moves in FX. Um, and I think that's that's potentially why, or certainly explaining part of the reason why uh, the dollar gains haven't been extended. Although again, all caveated with the PPI data yeah. as we sit here and, and certainly the dollar is beginning to strengthen on the back of that. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, we, we've had a bit of uh, underperformance in the yen um, this week on, on the back of some of those weaker Japanese GDP and maybe some some dovish uh, speak from the BOJ as well. Um, dollar yen's rebounded back to into a region you might consider to be the intervention zone. So what can we expect now that we're you know, back above that 150 level and, and near the highest from last year? Yeah, again, it's we're definitely in, in, in interesting territory intervention territory as you said jack um and of course again after the ppi data dollyn has has bounced even further so the, you know we're getting to levels where I, I think intervention is a high risk um you know the, the high from last year is 151.91 so we're still below 151 but you know we're getting to nearly within one big figure of that of that high and what I would say about the GDP data um, is, you know, it was it was fairly marginal in terms of the contraction, minus 0.4% on an mm-hmm. annualized basis. So, you know, barely, barely negative. But when you look at the, the breakdown, household consumption contracted for the third consecutive quarter. And what we can tell from, from the breakdown is that the inflation shock in Japan is a big, big part of why we've had these contractions in growth. Um, and again, looking forward, given inflation's coming down, it's it's still higher relative to where we were before the inflation shock in Japan than, than in Europe or the US, where inflation's come down by more. So the shock in Japan is, is a little bit behind. But nonetheless, looking forward, again, um, there, there's there's better, better prospects for um, uh, for you know, inflation coming down and that helping to to support growth. But from a from a 
an intervention perspective, from a, a BOJ monetary policy perspective, I don't think the GDP data does anything to, to change that. If anything, intervention, maybe the authorities are even more determined to, to stop yen weakness because the inflation shock being a big story in terms of weak GDP, politically, the government are very unpopular, partly because of the LDP funding scandal, but also the cost of living crisis. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, given the weakness of consumption, um, they, they'll probably be more determined to ensure that we don't see any kind of pronounced yen weakness from here. And then from a BOJ perspective, you know, we had Ueda speaking today in the diet. Um, there was nothing in his tone to suggest anything has changed. And it's still all about wages and the Shunta wage negotiations. And, you know, his, his communications in relation to that, he seemed quite confident that wages are going to continue to pick up. So um, I don't think it changes much. And given the fact that they've already communicated the benefits, the potential benefits of removing negative rates, um, I still think they're determined to do that. So I don't think the GDP has changed much. And if anything, uh, intervention has become a little bit more likely. And uh, certainly if we test the highs from uh, from from last year, uh, we may see them allow it to break, but I think they would be pretty quick to intervene after that. So I still think the upside from here is, um, is relatively limited. Sure. Okay, great. I mean, the question on my mind right now as well is, um, you know, how do you see the trading views changing over over the uh, past week, given the data we've seen? Now, have you made any changes to your open trade recommendations? What's your what's an update on that? Yeah, so we still have the, the same the same two trade views open: so short euro sterling and long dollar Swiss. Now, to be honest, short euro sterling um, after this week. Uh, you know the, the the inflation data, then the you know the labour market data, and uh, you know I I thought perhaps given the the weaker inflation print that you know sterling underperformance may be a near term risk that um, put some questions on on a short euro sterling trade. But then of course we had that stellar retail sales print this morning, mm-hmm. um, and. Yeah, we, we've we've held on to it. Um, we have bounced pretty sharpers from eighty five, but we're beginning to slowly move move back down again. So we're we're going to hold on to it because I don't think uh, the, the the BOE's view on holding off on rate cuts has changed, even though we've had that negative GDP print. Um, and then uh, on dollar Swiss, yeah, we were we're well in the money on that and. Uh, more convinced on that view of of long US dollar short Swiss franc, and we had very weak inflation data from Switzerland this week, and that's brought forward the the, the well the probability has shifted more towards the potential for a March rate cut from the SMB, um, and it it probably won't take much more of a drop in inflation for the SMB to go back to the way we were before the inflation shock, which is concerned more about downside risks to inflation than upside risks. So, you know, in that sense, I think um, there's potentially more to go in terms of Swiss franc weakness. So uh, we've held on to that view as well. Great. Thank you very much for your views. Thanks, Jack. Thank you for listening to this MEFG Global Markets podcast. Please rate, review and subscribe and contact your MEFG sales rep for more information. Join us next week for more insights from the Global Markets Research Team.